Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fred School. Hello, Joe. Hello, Padam. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Sir or Padam. Right. Hello, hello. Uh, Padam, Padam. I hear it, and I know. Yes, you do. Jeez. We're so sorry for this, y'all. I know you can't escape the song. It's all over your TikToks and your Instagrams and no. your Facebook if you happen to be on yeah. there. And everywhere else. But we need like we are we're fascinated by it. It's it's the queer song of the it's oh. the unofficial pride anthem of yeah. twenty three. I feel like we need more queer people to do it, so we need Yes. I love it. How you doing, Joe? I'm all right. Good. Yeah. I'm gay. Yes. I just hope that you can accept me. Yeah, I'm working on it. Yeah, that's I'm trying every day. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I also don't need it. <laughs> there we go. That's the answer I was looking for. I'm doing all right myself. I faced it, one of my fears. I don't like the old needles, but I had to go get needled for my upcoming work my upcoming practicum site so i had to go and deal with that it is it's getting a little better i will say i don't get as panicked i remember a few years ago when i first started this journey and had to go get blood draws and tight you know all this stuff i was like in a full-blown almost on the edge of a panic attack every time i was like having to head out to the where i would take days of breathing and talking myself through they're not going to chop your arm off you're going to be fine. It's just a little tiny needle. Your cats have done more damage to you than they're going to do. But I just was just in my head. This, it wasn't too bad. I didn't like, there was a long wait for it, which just, because it's, can we just get this going? I wasn't panicking like usual. And I just was talking myself through it. It wasn't until I like sat down the chair and like I saw the needle, then I was like, (gasps) just for a moment. Mm -hmm. And I always tell the people, I'm like, listen, don't just, here's my arm. I'm going to look over here and you just do whatever. I Don't talk and walk me through it. Don't, oh, we're doing this and next we'll do that. Just freaking do it. And I, I that actually really works for me because I never feel it. Like the person, she did all of her work and then she was just like, you're done. Get the fuck out of the chair. Because I'm just sitting there like, I, frozen. <laughs> you know, just waiting. But she was also good. She was asking me questions and stuff. So it kept me distracted. So I did appreciate that. But yeah, so go me. I got another. I got another needle stuck in me, without having a full blown panic attack. Yeah, or feeling like I was gonna throw up or something or pass out. Uh, I need to go get some blood work done. I've been like, I've had orders to go get it for a month, almost over a month right yeah. now. Yeah, and it's just it's fasting blood work, and work is so nuts right now that I have to go before work to get that done. Yeah, but I am a hard stick. 
is what the phlebotomist parlance is. They love saying that. That's They're sick. They just want to torture you. I know. <laughs> and I have a new doctor that I have to go to. So now I'm like really concerned. And part of me is just do it in my hand. You always have to, you can find the hand. And I do everything that you're supposed to do to make it be easier, right? You're supposed to drink a ton of water the day before. So that way you're hydrated because hydration helps with the yeah. flash of the blood and all that stuff. And I know where on my arm that they could go if they wanted to do it in the arm, which is less hurtful, less painful. Don't you love when you know and you tell them it's no listen, and, but they still insist on doing it their way. Yeah. And then they still end up going to the place you told them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will I'm like more adamant about it now because there was one day it, that like I got stuck five different times nope on the fifth time they were like and I remember the fifth time they were like let's just and let's just do it on your hand I was like I told you to fucking do it on my hand already yeah no gotta advocate for yourself especially when it comes to that yeah yeah no i'm the same i'm just like these days i'm like listen this is how it goes because i start like when i know i have to get blood work done yeah definitely i'm like drinking tons of water and i start pumping like my hands the little ball thing i've got a little brain somewhere Mm -hmm. around here Mm -hmm. that i use i'm ready because the same they always take them forever to "Eh, i'm just gonna poke your arm and feel around it's just i come in prepared yeah and telling them, it's got to be this arm, because this is where they go. Don't go over here. Stop this nonsense. <laughs> Don't look over here. Yeah. Jada Essence Hall, look over there. I'm a pointer sister. Okay, enough of this, because <laughs> our, our poor listeners who may have a blood injection injury phobia have passed out long ago and are no longer listening. What, what you watch this week? Jury duty. Jury duty. Yes. You had jury duty? No, I watched. No, I didn't. I didn't just people watch at jury duty. I watched. It's an Amazon. That would be fun. Amazon show. Oh. And the premise is. I have think, I talked about this? No, I don't think so. But go ahead. I think I know what you're talking about now. Okay. It just dawned on me. Because I think I fast forward or skipped the. <laughs> I think I've skipped the commercial or the preview. But Love it. Love that for you. I watched this show called Jury Duty. It's a reality show that uh, follows a jury uh, service from being selected to through the trial to the verdict. And unbeknownst to one person named uh, Ronald Gladden is his name. They, everything around him is fake, is fabricated. The case is fake. The other jurors are fake. They're all actors. Um, It's very, I forget what that show was called. You remember that reality show where it was like a reality competition show, but then one guy was the fake one or was the real person. So no, I was thinking of like the Truman show or something. It's very Truman show, but like this, they really, they have James Marsden, from Westworld. Okay. As X-Men, like men, yeah. As James Marsden. Oh, who has to serve jury duty? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. It's worth it just to say how he like navigates like it's like but I'm like famous and yeah. then he does something that gets the jury sequestered for this really asinine reason. There's no reason why this jury needs to be sequestered and they just did it. The jury gets sequestered and like all the all the different characters in the jury and stuff and he the guy was just like was just so delightful like he was this white man who 
like everything that was thrown at him, he received it all with. He's grace. the foreman, foreman of the jury. They make four him, person. Yeah, they make him the four person. Oh, so of, he's responsible for keeping everybody in line. Then yes, okay. But like, <laughs> there's one episode. So they're just all why is he the same person throughout? Yeah, it, it's the same four person. Like the length, the trial lasts like a month, two, three weeks, or something like that. So the whole show is one. Or is it just one? I, the whole show is like Truman Show. The whole show was made for him. They did a casting call and cast him to have jury service at this one place. But wouldn't he have to have, because how many episodes are there? There's like eight episodes. So he has to serve eight times? It's one, the whole series is one service of jury duty. It's one trial. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I saw, again, I, I've seen flashes of the thing and either i've skipped them or because I, I know what you're talking about with the james marsden i thought it was like different people like a reality show where it's different people no right? it's their chronic so james marsden is in the whole thing he's in the whole thing he's an alternate which uh, is the most the egregious insult is that he has to serve on this jury as an alternate <laughs> and he's like running lines with him he's doing all of these things that's funny they talk about his movies it's and he's a, playing like an does he play like an asshole version of himself what's his face did in harold and kumar um oh like neil patrick harris neil patrick harris he it, plays like himself in that but he's yeah. like a total he plays him yeah exactly yeah. he plays what people would say is like a hollywood asshole okay cool I may have to watch this. I just, I, it's, it didn't seem to immediately grab me. I was just like, oh, yeah. that sounds cute. Sounds very prank. What was that prank show that What's punked. His Face had? Punk. It's very punk. It is, it's, prank, it's very pranked. <laughs> it's very pranked. <laughs> it is, a, it's, it gives prank show. It gives, it, it's just delightful how he like okay. wrangles them. But the, that's interesting. <laughs> I didn't realize it was one, like the whole show. I just figured each episode was like a different four person getting. Oh, no, that would have been good, too. No, but this is, like, one thing where, like, they're all sequestered, so, like, they're hanging out at the hotel, and... But, like, the hilarious part for me is that he's the four-person, it's, like, the first day of testimony, and he's sitting next to an older woman who's falling asleep, (laughs) and the judge keeps... The judge is like, you gotta wake her up. Wake her up. She needs to be... And so she just keeps falling asleep, and he's, like, hitting her, and she's like, I'm up! I'm paying attention! I just just I, resting my eyes. I was blinking, <laughs> blinking. I'm just looking slow, down at my. Well, I'm looking down blink. at my shirt. I, why you keep touching me? It's just so funny. Okay. Well, I may have to check that out. That does sound. You can have it on in the background. Yeah, that sounds good. I've been wanting. We see, like, I'm on this break now in between semesters, and I, there's like a bunch of shows I want to watch. But we've mm-hmm. been talking about voting on new things to watch for the Wednesday TV group. So you're saving it for that. <laughs> and so there's stuff that I'm like, I can't watch anything. I don't know. I may just say screw it and watch some stuff. Cause I just, I need like a reason. Like the thing is, it's like, I need to be resting now and taking mm-hmm. time off and not thinking before. Cause I'm going to be like right back in it very soon. Yeah. And it's like, I just want to, I need some stuff to keep me laying in bed. Do that for yeah, you. Yeah. That might be a good one. So we'll have to check that out cap on that is that ronald he that was in took place in la he now lives in san diego and recently was summoned to jury service for real that's hilarious <laughs> yeah and at the last episode and matt on my other show on the other show told me that the last episode is them showing him how they put it all together Oh, so you haven't finished it? No, I at the time when Matt told me this, I hadn't finished it. Oh, okay, now that okay, I finished okay. it, it's it's showing how they put the whole thing together and showing him, oh, hey, you thought this was another courtroom? This is actually where all the producers were. And, uh, 
and all that stuff. So it's like re- pulling it behind the curtain and also for us and how there were things that like he figured out that they had no idea. Like it was like he had the script in the, in the hand. But at the very end of that, this is not a spoiler, he said, wait, so that was, so this is all fake. So that means that I still have to do jury duty, right? And they're like, yeah. And he was, and that's how they ended it. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, obviously with privacy issues and stuff, it would be, but I think a show of just watching like celebrities have to actually navigate real jury (laughs) duty would be fucking hilarious. Because I remember a couple of years ago, like Madonna got a summons and she actually had to go. You have to, nobody gets out of it. If you get the summons, you have to show up and go. And so it was like a big media circus that she went and had to wait in the court, had to wait and go and be like, obviously... I can't serve on them. They were like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. But she had to go through the whole rigmarole. And it like just delighted like the world for a day. Just like us. Yeah, it's like one of those things. And it was just such a funny thing that, yeah, I think it'd be really fun to to watch. Just, I know he's playing a different version of himself and being a jerk, but just the idea of that. I think it's funny. Yeah, Madonna goes to get her tires rotated or... (laughs) Right. Or just the stuff that, yeah, that, like, people have to do. Like, you can't really get out of it. And people really shouldn't. That's the thing. Everybody's always, oh, I got to get out of jury duty. But if you have any inkling of, like, social justice or you really should serve and help. Oh, yeah. Because that's, like, the state of our justice system is a fucking nightmare, so... Liberal people or people that claim to have, like, liberal politics... If the, if I even hear them say that they are trying to get out of jury duty, I like they immediately go in my books because like you said, <laughs> you on my in my book, you're in my book, you're in the book because you're right though. Like I want, I would want someone like me if I was sitting there needing like ready yeah. to be you know adjudicated against. I would want someone like me there, yeah, who would consider everything. Now that I've said this, I'm going to get a summons, but... Yeah. The v- last few times I've gotten them, they actually have been, comp- like, at times where it's like I couldn't really do them, but I would like to serve. Yeah. So I'm hoping that I get another one soon. I also feel like you wouldn't be one that they would want to serve because of your... Yeah. Because they're of the, take, your profession. keeping tabs on me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> your profession. No. Yeah. I, no. It would, yeah. I, I would be curious. I don't know. But I would show up and be honest, and we'll see. Because, again, it's also they're trying to craft a jury as well. So it's like yeah. the defense wants certain people. The prosecution wants certain people. They're often at odds. Everybody gets to choose who they're throwing off or yeah. putting on. So yeah. who even knows? What was I? We haven't really talked about. Oh, gosh. I guess by the time this comes out, it may even be over. Drag Race? Uh, drag Race. Because we haven't really talked about it at all. The All-Star Season 8. We're down to what? We've got three left? Or No. Four. At That's the time right. We're of the top recording four. This, right? Yeah, right now at the time of recording, we still have Alexis, Jessica, Jimbo, and Candy. Have you been watching Keeping Up? The last episode I watched was the one with you. A couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think? Are you happy with... Who do you think is going to win? I think it's... I think it could be Jimbo. Yeah. I think there's a very strong case there <laughs> for jury, a jury to choose Jimbo. I also think that I would love to see a Candy Muse because I think that would just be really fun. I definitely do not want Alexis Michelle. Yeah. I don't know. Again, it's just always the thing of, is she... 
she does have a lot of talents, but yeah, I'm not as interested in her as I am like Jimbo. I also, I think it would be really cool to see Jessica win just because to come back from, was she in one season or two? Season two. Yeah, season two. So to come back all these years later and and win All-Stars, I think could be really just yeah. a cool moment in the history of the show. Yeah, what Kylie did. Kylie Sonique. Yeah, exactly. And you've had a few people that have had that sort of trajectory yeah. who didn't like because I haven't really heard anything from Jessica since whatever, no. three or four, when she would pop up on things or reference whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's she's not like a Jinx Monsoon or Trixie Mattel or people or mm-hmm. like Bianca Del Rio who have really found like niches and propelled themselves into a sort of fame that yeah. makes sense if they show up on the show. Like who else is going to win? Like it just, it was so unfair even, I felt at times with Jinx Monsoon being on like the the winner, the queen of all queens kind of thing, just because it just, she just blew some of the people away. Not everybody. Yeah. There, there was competition there, but it's just like, she's already accomplished so much. Yeah. So it just, it makes sense. So it'd be really neat to see Jessica come back and, and have a whole new sort of career out of this. And I'm sure she has. I'm sure she's done things. Obviously, her drag has been, she's been doing things. It's just, she's not everywhere like the others. And I would like to see more of, I'd I'd like to see her win and put a spotlight on some of the queens who aren't always getting all the attention. We need a Puerto Rican girl to win. They've been competing. (laughs) Well, that's true as well. Yeah. We need a big girl. We need a Puerto Rican girl. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say right now, I I would really like to see Jessica or like Jimbo, because again, I love the weirdos. And Jimbo is just so bizarre. (laughs) We're going to, this is going to come out and someone will have won. Yes, this is true. And it could very well be Alexis. Yeah. And then we're just wrong. Egg on our face. But who cares? Because they're voices from past. Yeah. We're not Nostradamus. And will she even do anything with it? That's the other thing. Because just to be, to be fair, we'll see what actually happens. All right. Yay for that good catch up we are going to take a quick break and we will be back to discuss stranger by the lake hi friends the world got you down don't be sad listen to two dollar late fee with zach and dustin two dollar late fee is the podcast that celebrates the best decade of entertainment the 1980s we pick a movie and soundtrack from our youth that we loved and see if it holds up today we also interview your favorite celebrities from that era all in the spirit of positivity and togetherness. Check us out at $2LateFee.com. Bienvenue. We are doing a French movie. Yay, French! <laughs> L'Inconnu du Lac, Stranger by the Lake, 2013. French thriller, drama, movie, direct Porn. Play. Right. We'll get to that. Alan Giraudy. Yeah, we got debuted, I think, at the Cannes Film Festival. Won a Queer Palm Award. Yay. It was on a lot of... I remember when it came out, like, everybody was talking about this movie, and it was on all, like, the lists. But it was fun to sit down and, and rewatch it for this, because I think when I first saw it, probably four or five years ago... Not when it came out, because like I said, it came out in like teen, mm-hmm. but um, I think I saw it two or three years after that. So it was fun to sit down and revisit it for this film or for this for this podcast. So the movie is about a man from, who's going to a little cruising beach, a little nude beach to pick up to pick up menses for for dalliances for dalliances yes <laughs> and uh, amongst the woods amongst the trees and uh, he witnesses a murder and then becomes obsessed with the murderer and yeah that's 
and then the, the lots end. of conversation <laughs> happens. Yes, and the end. <laughs> Joe, what did what did you think about the Stranger by the Lake? This was a movie where when I watched a man orgasm, I had a moment where I was like, "What is this filth <laughs> that Joshua is like?" making me watch i was not prepared to watch this movie and by not prepared i mean i wasn't like laying down fistful of jergens not mm, that kind of movie though. no it really isn't yeah. it's european that's the title of this episode <laughs> it's european <laughs> i wouldn't watch this again though you wouldn't no yeah i think it would be fun again this is another movie it'd be fun to put on and then play like dance music over it <laughs> yeah can you imagine the part where you know uh, what's his name? Michelle, right? Michelle, Michelle uh-huh. is uh, murdering the guy, and yeah. in the background is like, ah! <laughs> it just—it's coming back. It keeps coming back. Ba-dum. Yes, I drown you, and I know. Yeah, or I saw. Yeah, I, yep. I know you drowned him. There's got to be a way you can rewrite the lyrics to go with mm-hmm. this film. That'd be super fun. Yeah, it is like the world's most boring porn for an hour. <laughs> and here's the kind of fucked up thing: is that I've definitely seen clips from this movie. Because, like, when Pornhub was more of a thing, like, it would be something that would come up on Pornhub. Oh, my God. I'm, like, totally outing myself. There we go. But you know what? Sex positivity. Like, yes. we're... It, when Pornhub was more of a thing, I'm like, oh, I've seen this particular scene. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because it does feature unsimulated sex acts mm-hmm. between characters, although they are body doubles. They're not the act- the actors in the film. They do some stuff, but not all the stuff. Uh, yeah, they the, some. Uh, yeah, there's a reason it cuts away when showing certain parts. But I yeah, did notice that there's a lot of lot of dangly bits. Yes, everybody's dangly bits are a lot on of, display. A lot of moisty, juicy bits. Yes, yeah. There, it's Black's Beach here in San Diego. Yes. I know people go there where they can wander about nude and do the things that you would enjoy doing in the nude. Frolic, frolic. Yes, <laughs> in the water. There's no wooded area, so you just have to do it in front of everybody. Yeah, I've never gone there, obviously. I would love to go there, but the way that you get... There's two ways to get there, and both are fatphobic, in my opinion. Uh The way that most people go, which is the faster way, is to hike down... they They call it the goat path. Hike down like a path with a rope where you could potentially... <gasps> I just had a memory. Fall. I did go there for a friend's birthday, uh. but it wasn't that kind of thing. The, the, the friend is a woman friend mm. who wanted to go there for a big birthday and was like, we want to get naked. And I was like, I'll go, but I'm not getting naked. Like, whatever. But yes, I did just remember that. Because of what you said, I took a guitar down and we built, we had a little blanket and we sat and we played music and talked and hung out. And there were people walking around naked, but we all stayed dressed until it got dark. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but go ahead with your story. The goat path. But the goat path. Yeah. How did you, were you, you. That's how we got up and down. Yeah. Because it got too late to go the other way that I think you're going to talk about. And the other way is like, you just have to like, it's almost maybe half a mile, maybe a mile. I don't know. I think, yeah, I've never done I, it. I, yeah. I've not done that either. It was bad enough getting up and down. Like going down wasn't actually too bad. It was just there was a lot of people moving yeah. through, but getting up was awful, and that's why I was like, "Yeah, I'm not doing this again unless somebody's going to helicopter me in." Yeah. <laughs> yes. Is there a boat? 
Can I take a little boat around and then yes. hop off? Is there a club car? Does it have a club car? <laughs> but yeah, I just remembered that. And you know what? I think I did skinny dip, but nobody could see me because it was like pitch black out. I've always wanted to go. I love, you know me, I tell stories of like my sexuality as a, as a rebellion against what people who look at my body think may have judgments about what it is that I, my body is capable of or should even be allowed to experience with regards to pleasure. And I would love to go skinny dipping. I would love to go and have the sun, feel the sun on my entire body, but not there because it's really hard to get to, (laughs) which for obvious reasons, right? It shouldn't be any quest that is worth the journey has to, (laughs) to be difficult, has to be difficult. Not like this movie. They just roll up in their cars and there you go. There you have it. Yeah, but But it's also Europe. There are a lot more like nude beaches, I think. Or they don't even, it's not necessarily has to be a nude beach. Because I think the beach that we're talking about isn't even, I don't think it's actually legal to be nude there, is it? I think it's just, I think it's one of those, one of those things they don't enforce. Like, yeah, because in like order- underage drinking. <laughs> yeah, because you'd have to climb down there to harass people or come around. Yeah. I, I just think it'd be really hard. Yeah, I wanted to see if it, I don't know black blacksbeach.com nude beach like it is. It could also be they could also get away with it in that maybe it's private property. Maybe yeah. There's very few like private coastline property in California, but the Black family, the reason why it's called Black's Beach is because the Black family owns that. Yeah, so it's that yeah, area. it's definitely illegal to be naked there, but people don't really bother you unless you're doing lewd acts, which I guess would be very openly lewd acts because I definitely know people go down there and cruise, which again, that is that's what this film sets up. As we've talked before, like last year when we talked specifically about cruising, but we've also talked about in other like queer spaces, just the idea of going to a space that a lot of like gay men will frequent in order to have a little to, yeah. to borrow a word from Joe. It's that's also like a rich place to explore horror in a way. I, yeah. I, I do think this movie is, you know what it reminds me of when we talked about the burning in the sense of it's very, there's a lot of conversation, a lot of kind of intensity throughout the film, but there's not the climactic act of the murder that happens and sure. like the tension between the characters is what makes it horrific rather than it being like this or rather being like Michelle doesn't seem to be mm-hmm. like a serial killer necessarily like hunting there, I, but we're not given much conversation yeah. around him either. This we barely see movie. the murder. Yeah. It's from far away and it comes out of the water, but then we do see him murder Henri, yeah. the older mm-hmm. man, because he's a witness or he, we'll talk about that too, but, and the cop, yeah. the inspector. So we do see him murder other people in the film, but it's not, it feels more out of self-preservation rather than a need to kill. So we're not really given if like he and the guy that he murders, that he drowns, the the, first initial kill, if it's, they've had some sort of conflict and he's snuck out, he's convinced him to go out there so he can drown him. Or if that's like his thing, because he has plenty of opportunity to kill Frank, the other guy, and he doesn't. They meet several times, even late at night alone, yeah. where it's if murdering people was his thing, he could just do yeah. it. So it's confusing. But yeah, so we have this cruising culture on display here that I think this film almost gives away a little too much of some of the realities of gay culture, of, of queer male culture. In mm-hmm. the, it's a bit, what's the word I'm looking for? 
it pulls the curtain back yeah it gives a little bit the mystique yeah it definitely takes away a lot of mystique but yeah there there's i have definitely had sex like some of the sex on display in this movie (laughs) in the sense Mm -hmm. of let's just get off and just move on you know it's like (laughs) it just feels very yes like it lacks romance. There's it's, an honesty about it that's a, uncomfortable to yes. watch. There's a a frankness, <laughs> which again, f- with the main character's name being Frank, but yeah. yeah, there's a real frankness to it that's almost really off-putting. It's not an erotic film. We're talking about you do see yeah. unsimulated sex. People are making out. People are shown giving oral sex full on out, like it's a pornographic film. A man ejaculates, but it is the least sexy sex yeah it's like literal just animals doing what nature intends kind of thing just we're just passing the time yeah there's yeah i was gonna say it's the difference between erotica pornography and like a film that has like very graphic sex because the film is not about the sex all of that is all of that is like a it's all plot devices it's props that are used to emphasize it it's when you were saying it's a very murder happens horror happens at this cruising spot it's it's almost similar to how we talk about holiday horror yeah in that we don't this is an affirmation of us being alive experiencing sex in this way and the thrill of it in that way and we're not expecting for people to die instantaneously or not so quickly. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It is not this. It's yeah, it's like th- he's going there to pass certain time. He keeps making references like he doesn't hang out there all the time, but he's there all the time. Frank, the main guy. I know. I was like, oh, I don't know if I'll be here tomorrow. And then there he is. Yeah. In- <laughs> Bianca Del Rio going really queen. Exactly. Yeah, yeah precisely. And th- th- like all the characters and you keep seeing the same faces, the same guys. It's like an app. It's just the same faces that are rotating around. <laughs> oh my God, it's like it's not you, not well. Okay, fine. Today you will suffice. It's like being on Grinder in San Diego. Yep. And yeah, sorry, we're gonna divert a little bit. I always I love when I'm traveling because mm-hmm. you're the new face. Yeah. But I hate it when you're at home. Like I take them off when I'm at home because it's I know all these people are not. No one, if they wanted to talk to me, they would have fucking talked to me by now. Right. But there's also just the sense of, because you have this, it's so funny, because this film, I feel, it came out, what we say, 2013. So we had apps by then. Yes. I don't know if they were so much in the zeitgeist as they are now. In this, This is 10 years ago. So now it's like everybody, like I even hear like, Comics who are not gay make jokes about Grinder, jokes about you. Know, so it's like app culture, queer app culture is like yeah. very alive and well in the mainstream in a way that I'm not sure if it was then, but this perfectly encapsulates that sort of thing. Like you have that one guy who just hi, hi, hi. it's the guy who's just standing in there jacking off to everybody, anybody yeah. who'll come along. Like you, can I watch? Can I watch? Can I watch? No, it's almost no, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's so like flat. You have, of course, there's like the guys who are like hot that everybody wants to sleep with and who is with everybody. And so then that's who the main character is obsessed with. And then Michelle, he's the murderer. <laughs> so again, the thing you want the most is like killing people. Yeah. Which we'll get into that. We can talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah. The, the movie perfectly sums up the like existential dread of an app if it was all in person and you just had you all we they go to this place and sit around waiting for somebody to be interested in them just to say no or maybe to say yes and then it be 
pathetic. That's what it, it's this yeah. pathetic sex. The first sex that we see Frank have with that bald guy where he's, oh, if you're going to do oral, use a condom. Yeah, whole conversation about that. It's very, and that's really fascinating in that moment. And but, use a condom. And he's like, I don't have a condom. Do you don't oh, no. Do yeah. you have a condom? He's like, no, I just used it. Yeah, I already used it on the other. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that, I, I feel like, but that conversation, I have definitely fully had yeah. several times. Yeah, so it's, I guess we could just sit here and masturbate together i guess that's what we'll do yeah <laughs> but it's so weird because it's like in this harsh light of day like it, yeah. lacking all romance and yeah. again yeah it just it's it makes it it yeah. boils it down to the really pathetic endeavor but that gets it yeah. cut the other thing so this film isn't necessarily horrifying only because of what Michelle has done. And then being with this character who's obsessed with somebody who he's witnessed murder somebody, who he's told a cop he did not see anything. Like, he's, like, going places with them. You're, like, thinking, like, what is gonna... That is obviously a big part of the dread. But there's also just an overarching existential dread of the thing. Like, Henri, the older man who comes to the beach, and he just sits there all day. We never see him do anything with anybody. He sits away from everybody, Yeah, he sits away. He sits under, God, he sits exactly where I expect a fat man to sit, which is under a tree and at a certain incline. So that way you're not like fully laid down and your belly can like, it was comfortable. I'm like, this was from a fat standpoint, that was perfectly placed. Yeah. And I saw myself (laughs) very much represented. I love that. But he just comes there and sits and it's like, yeah, how much sitting around can you do on the beach? But again, it's like there's this, yeah, the best way, this is such like a French existential dread, like sex, desire, boredom, (laughs) just the banality of living is all on display here. It just makes it a very, it's so French in that way. (laughs) The director who made it, he, this gets like compared to Hitchcock movies because it's like a single sort of place. You have that rear window kind of vibe of witnessing Mm -hmm. something and then being obsessed with it. So I get like the Hitchcock stuff. And then, yeah, but he has this whole thing about mythic, mythicalness of it. Because when we see Michelle, I think for the first time, he's like coming out of the water and the sun is all sparkling. It's like even hard to watch like this golden man come out of the water. There's this, which again, I think is very, that's so gay. Just like waiting for the one beautiful to to crawl out of the primordial ooze that is a fucking dating app to save you from motherfucker exactly, and that's a whole other thing because he's he plays with time that way. He's very obsessed with the seventies, and so this movie's been a weird space where he's it's meant to be like it's meant to be now, but I dress and film it. So it's very seventies because that's the time I came up in and the time that I'm very like connected to. Yeah. Cruising also big then. Yeah, exactly. Um, very big. Um, and because, the yeah. jar, the jardin, yeah. the gardens of like, mm-hmm. that was, a, that was a, again, very much steeped in French culture of like men meeting in parks and mm-hmm. stuff at night. Uh, and obviously here as well, but you, there's a lot of interesting like French literature about yeah. that. Uh, but we obviously have a cruising culture around parks here, but this, it's very like them in the trees just yeah. reminds me of that. Yeah. It's very. And what does, so two things. One, um, here's just a fun fact. San Diego Pride's festival mm. actually takes place in a fairly well-known cruising spot. It <laughs> takes place at the Fruit Loop right. in in Balboa Park, Yeah, which I love. I don't know if that's intentional or if that's just what space where you can have like two acres, <laughs> two square acres of space, but I love that's a thing. And then the other thing, the timelessness of the dress and all of that, like this is supposed to be a place outside of time. 
it brings up the question for me, what is cruising in like the modern age with technology, right? Yeah. In terms of, yeah, there's the apps and everything. And it's very, it's very commercial, very post, very like late stage capitalism. Like even dick is on demand, right? Like right. you can just summon it up. And, door. Yeah. <laughs> door dick. Yes. It's a door dick. <laughs> yes. Door yeah. dick. But you... So even all of that is, but what does it mean that if this is supposed to be in modern times, that the people who are going there are engaging in this activity? And I think I actually wrote, I think I wrote, <laughs> I think I actually wrote in a, in a piece that was published in a, in a, an anthology of work where I wrote it about, it was like a grinder story, but it was the idea of nost- the nostalgia of that time for cruising mm. and how you can romanticize it. We as queer people now looking back at our forebearers can romanticize that time in a way where it's like there's more of an intimacy there. Even if it was just as, if not more so, transactional, there was more right. of an intimacy there because headless torsos are not walking up to you. And there's you know, an immediate, that's what you look like. This is what I look like in the yeah cold light of the street lamp <laughs> exactly in the smoke-filled darkness right or whatever. Or, yeah but that's why i never i don't lie on those things because if you're if you can't be honest with a stranger who is about to like fuck you like why you're definitely not honest in anywhere else in your life yeah and also eventually what's the point of lying about what you look like when if the goal is to meet them yeah that's a whole other ball of wax that we could probably spend a long time debating (laughs) but back to the movie one of the things that i read in an interview with the director was whether or not this was like an allegory for hiv aids you have Mm. this police officer that oh there's a gay killer in the community that's easily to be like oh gay cancer Mm -hmm. but that it feels almost too simplistic and he said yeah the fear of aids didn't really play a role but on the other hand it is important because aids is present but hovers around the film because it was something that at the time it probably affect profoundly affected our love relationships and our sexual relationships. So while there wasn't the fear of it, it was something that was always present for me in the film. And it's not just homosexual relationships. It's also heterosexual relationships. Both were really changed as a result of AIDS, which I do, I, I think makes sense. And that kind of leads them into, cause the, interviewers oh yeah you mentioned at the time but what do you mean by that because it's hard to tell when this is set the the specific time period and he said yeah it's supposed to be now but there's always a mixture of the present in the 1970s which again i like because it does put this movie in a weird space of it's nostalgic for a certain type of queer life there is something because the apps and the kind of the way that we cruise now there's a lot more, I feel like, safety in it than maybe in the past because most of us have a cell phone. Most of us have an immediate sort of, not that danger doesn't happen and people don't get injured or hurt or robbed. Obviously, things happen. But for the most part, I feel like it feels not so dangerous. But then you didn't have that. You were like wandering into a park, getting in cars with strangers. There's a certain, again, part of this film is like this, there's like a death wish hanging over it. There's a, oh. there's like an eroticism of death and of being put in a situation of being so vulnerable and in danger. So you have that with the cruising itself. Mm-hmm. And then specifically with Michelle, who this guy is, you're so hot and I know you killed somebody, but it just makes you hotter. And I'm just yeah. going to hang around you not knowing. Yeah like the danger that I could be putting myself in, not knowing if you're going to kill me next. 
adds like a whole other layer to this. Yeah, this like, because the French, they call an orgasm. Le the petit mort. Yeah, yeah. Le, le petit mort. Like even built into the language is this intersection of death and sex. And we talk about it a lot too in, in psychology that in grief, it is not bizarre or weird for somebody to use sex to distract themselves from grief. Because there's something about being in a sexual relationship with somebody else and being like, what do they call it? Um, in flagrante that allows you to forget about everything else in life. It, mm-hmm. Sex is a very here and now act. Mm-hmm. It's a very present. We exist. We yep. are both alive. You can prove that I'm alive and I can prove that you're alive. And we're yep. here naked together. The somatic. Yeah. yeah. There's, and we're here doing something that is ancient. That is always something that humans have done. Yeah. That kind of adds... It just adds a real, this movie doesn't feel like it should be that deep, but I think it really is. There's a really interesting conversation that's on display here that almost feels more naked than the nakedness. Like, there's a real peeking behind the curtain of queer sexuality and sensuality in this movie that's not, you don't get in just on Glee <laughs> or whatever <laughs> hell show there is. Hellbent. You know? Yeah, but I just mean in anything that's trying to like hint at like, the heteronormativeness that kind of gets applied to queer relationships sometimes, this film doesn't really have that. This is a really frank look at some of the things that kind of drive a certain faction of our sexuality in a way that I find really interesting, for good or bad. I'm not saying. Yeah. I, although, I did have a question, but we'll save it for the, we'll wrap up with that. Something I also think that was really interesting is Henri, like his conversa- his remarks about gays are rare, Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. How he's, oh, no, guys can have boyfriends and stuff, but they're all going to get married and have wives. Like, real gay people are rare. I thought that was interesting. That So him saying that made me think, does this exist outside of time? Or, like, right. outside of the contemporary moment? But it was also, like, again, Bianca Del Rio, really queen. Right. <laughs> and, like, really queen in that, okay, I can say that as someone who is, like, an out and proud gay man. Right. But at the same time, like, if I... If that is a sincerely held belief, how just what kind of existence? And you want to talk about existential crisis, right? What kind of existence is that to have that to have to spend intimate time and all your time with someone? But then, oh, we're just going to get married. Doesn't matter. This doesn't count. This entire life that we've built together, or not yeah. maybe even built together, but just like all of the experiences that we've had, just is completely invalidated. And, you know, is a fluke, is a mulligan. Yeah, it's a really interesting conversation that he has because he brings up that question. Because he talks about being with his wife and they go to orgies. Because that's the thing. Mm -hmm. His wife, they've broken up. They've divorced or whatever. And he's sitting on this beach in between breaks from the banality of his, like, working life. Sure. And he's talking about, oh, they, they used to have great, like, sex life and they would sleep with whoever and do whatever. But... Then he makes that comment about gay people, gay men not being like real or being rare. Yeah, but then real gay men. Yeah, but then in the end of the film, he lets Michelle know that he knows he's the killer. Then tells him, "I'm going to go wander off in the woods by myself." And then looks back at him. And then, of course, Michelle follows because he's going to kill the shit out of this guy. And then he's, "This is what I wanted all along." He didn't have the nerve to kill himself. He's been like sitting on this beach waiting for like a reason to die and it's just what like why besides obviously there you could say the depression of but again that he like Henri adds this whole 
again, level of like existential panic to the mm-hmm. film of sitting and just waiting to die on this beach. And then finally he gets like an opportunity with, because he definitely like stops and looks back and I'm like, are you going to come kill me? Cause yeah. I'm ready to be done with this. And when Frank tries to save him, he's no, this is what I asked for, or I got what I wanted or whatever his yeah. final words were. And it just, yeah, that was just so added like a whole other layer of God, this movie is really horrifying a lot of other ways. But could it be that he is himself like, deeply closeted yeah maybe and this is like i mean you know how like suicide by cop right like this is suicide by murderer maybe exactly he definitely because he tell he says i just never had the strength to do it myself or i couldn't bring myself to do it and it reminded me there's a book of i think it's in lost souls by poppy z bright there's a vampire character who is it's not that he necessarily wants to die but he's all right as long as the because he's queer. It's like as long as the guy who does it is beautiful, and when mm. he does die, it is by like an attractive man, and he's at least he's beautiful. So there's also this weird twisted thing of Michelle being like the hot guy on the beach, and we yeah. all know you go to the club, the one that everybody's after. Yeah, he's very much that kind of personified. Goes and kills Henri, and it's hey, again at least he was a hot guy, which yeah. it pushes this echoes like Frank is seeing in. Henri, am I going to sit here and just wait for the same thing? Because he's also the opposite, because he's he's bound to the desire. He's, I'm just going to take this as far as it goes. And if he kills me, whatever, at least I got to have some fun with him. It's very just, again, it's, yeah, very strange. But Henri also had me wondering about the politics around queer sex and sexuality in general. Like, sometimes I just, the point of being, like, gay or straight, sometimes it's just like... I don't know. I guess we could always, this is another one of those big existential questions that it's like, if we didn't raise everybody to be so homophobic and to be raised with this like heteronormative, like nonsense, if Mm -hmm. a lot more people would be comfortable exploring their sexuality or just being open to getting it, no matter who you want to have romantic relationships with, just having sex for the fun of it with whoever. Yeah. If that wouldn't relieve a lot of the psychological tension in the world. I wonder about these people who are, how do I want to put it? Because I feel that's the thing when like straight guys, STR eight, the number eight pop up on the apps or just guys who are like heterosexual, generally yeah. speaking, but they've just figured out that it's, but you know what, if I let a guy give me a blowjob yeah. or if I use, or if I am the active partner, it's not really hugely different for them. They're separating out in a way that I wonder if is it more healthy. <laughs> it's, it's not necessarily that you're lying to yourself. Because you could still be romantically attracted to someone else. Yeah. Because I could, I sometimes feel that way in, in the way that like romantically, I'm very interested in, in a male partner and that being my life. But I, if I found like women that just wanted to, that true, like truly just wanted to have fun for the fun sake of it. Yeah. I'd be fine with that and know that I could still identify firmly as like a queer man. Sure. Or even like a gay man who just happens to enjoy sex with women sometimes. I don't, I just don't think that that, I don't think things have to be black and white. And I wonder if for some men who have a lot of rage and anger about their sex lives would feel better if they just felt okay with, just let a guy do it or women or whatever, whoever, a person if we unlocked some of that. And so Henri made me wonder about that. And I wrote some notes just about, that would be something I would be interested in exploring. Like what yeah. really is the draw for men who go on apps who say they're straight? I don't always think it's unnecessarily internalized homophobia. I think sometimes maybe they've just figured something out about 
the economy of sex. Sure. For like the stress relief of it. To your point about like people exploring the various facets of sexuality. Also, I think it's worth also mentioning that sometimes your sexuality is that you don't have sex. No, totally. Yeah. Like the, the asexuality of it all. And I think that especially in American culture where as puritanical as we are, we're also like very obsessed with sex. No, of course I. <laughs> and and <laughs> so we're wrapped up in guilt and shame. Yeah, and and I say this also as like a person who is as as in my journey of discovering things. It's also trying to hold space for that being an experience because again, we always if we're trying to be like truly beyond a binary, right? Either you have sex or you don't. It's not that you have gay sex or you have straight sex it's like maybe you have no sex or maybe you no, have... totally but that's missing the the point of this is a film about people who want to yes <laughs> but i'm saying like it, from the larger perspective of i think also the point i'm trying to make is that i think a lot of that tension or that angst could also be if people realize that asexuality is also an option oh yeah certainly yeah. but i guess i'm meaning a certain kind of like violent like incel nonsense oh i wonder mm-hmm. if they if some of that like that i do think is wrapped up in a lot of toxic masculinity and a lot of homophobia homophobogeny yeah misogyny and all this kind of stuff that i just wonder sometimes if the world was less like if we were just not so concerned with this kind of stuff and because we know we have data that proves a lot more people are on the spectrum and it's if they felt more comfortable being able to do that that but we just have a culture that sucks in a lot of ways yeah so you have the dl thing guys on the down low or whatever we call it sometimes i just wonder i don't know i think it's messy i'm not trying to say one way or the other this isn't something that i think i even have a lot of research about other than again having been on the apps for a long time and seeing like married to a woman but doing this or doing that or or talking to people it's oh yes i have a partner but they don't like want to have sex or for whatever reason but i do so this is a way to this is a way to do that that is guaranteed to be anonymous yeah and no strings attached i can maintain my relationship and do this because it's not always available the same way to straight people from my experience of talking with straight people oh absolutely they don't order it to the door in the same way (laughs) and they don't have i think it's a generalization right that's that at least in my experience my lived experience i can say is accurate where like they're not having the kinds of intense conversation or the the kind of frank conversations about sex in the same ways that like we are because we order it because we order it to the door we know exactly what it is for the most part we know what it is that we're getting we know it's all been negotiated gary talked about yeah no it's true and yes on a on a certain level that is like very sterile dehumanizing depending on the person and the kinds of things questions that you're asking but it's also such a frank conversation and an honesty that straight people don't necessarily have a vocabulary for that even straight people who engage in enm ethical non-monogamy they that that to me is still on a level of queerness because Mm -hmm. it is outside of quote unquote the norm no and that is all back i just finished a sexual issues uh therapy Mm -hmm. class and a lot of that is echoed in in the research of trying to figure out ways to have you know more open, better conversations around sex that queer people definitely do. Not all the time. Again, this is all generalizations. There's always going to be anecdotes. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be people that no, my life is like this. That's wonderful. If you figured this stuff out, that's freaking great for you. Yeah. Uh, and I'm happy for 
better sex for everybody who wants better sex. I'm for that. Just maybe not with somebody you witnessed murder somebody, which I think is bringing it back to the film. Is yeah, it's very the dangers around it. And so that kind of to to wrap up, I was curious if you want to share. Is there anything that you've ever done that was like dangerous? What's the most dangerous? Oh, that I'm willing to share. Yeah, that you're willing to share a situation. Oh, like in terms of you're talking about hooking up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a very so as far as like public stuff goes, I have a very strict no public stuff policy because of a horror story that I was told to by like a friend of mine who was an older queer who told me a horror story that his friends who were in a committed relationship were the mood struck and they happened to be like they pulled over at a park or something and then got lit up by the cops and then were both found they were both on the sex offender registry because it was at a park yeah even though it was like in the middle of the night there's no kids there i know that yeah yep yep again the institutionalized homophobia of it because would that been the same if there was a straight couple right and in some cases i've also heard yes that also happens to but i have a strict no no poli- uh, no public policy um i'm th- oh man dangerous i'm just like i remember when i was young because the apps were i came up when the apps were like new. yeah like yeah. i remember when manhunt was new and adam for adam were like new things on the yeah. internet and before apps on your phone they <gasps> right were like, this is yeah. true they were like websites that you would go to this is true dear listener remember joshua remember the time when you had to have a broadband connection yes and a desktop computer and a desktop computer um no i could get them on my laptop (laughs) your chunky ass laptop that you plug into the wall they they exist people would use messenger and things like that of course but i remember those early dating sites that that popped up and yeah you would go and meet people but i was one of those types that because i've never driven so guys would always pick me up so I always took danger there, but I would always send their license plate and their phone number. At least what I had, I would send to a girlfriend. Uh, of your mine. anchor, yes. yeah. I always did that. I was very smart about that. Good for you. Good for uh, you, Joshua. Yeah, because I, I, especially at that time, like I was a, a much more slight person, and I've never been like a, a yeah. fighter. So if somebody yeah. wanted to try something, like they probably could have could have done it. And this was when you were still living in a small town, right? Or not? Well, not town. really small, but yeah, yeah, I was living in Ohio, a city, had <laughs> some farm where they'd throw me in a threshing machine. But yeah, when watching it, I haven't really done all that much dangerous stuff either, like cars, yeah, things like that, where you are in like public places. I've, I've definitely risked it there. I did once, I met a guy, I, I think this was during Pride, and I think he was like like a looky-loo that came down, mm-hmm. but wasn't really like ready to be like, I'm gay. A participant. And he gave off a lot of red flags, but I went off by myself with him and realized it was a bad, it was a mistake. But thankfully, a friend of mine who owned a bar, owned the bar, we were like, in this, it was like, hey, you can't do that there. And then when he saw it was me, he was, oh, if I'd known it was you, I'd let you. I was like, no, I think it was a good thing because he gave off a lot of red flags just in the way he was acting. And he was like forcing stuff on me that was like, oh, I've made a bad decision. <laughs> I'm learning something here. Oh but thankfully, God. got interrupted and was fine. But a few hours later, as I was leaving, he was still there because we split up. Like I got away from him and he got lost like in the crowd because it was pride. So it was like a million people. But he saw me later and he was like screaming at me on on the street. And I was just like with my friends. I was like, I don't know who that is. Let's get in the car and go home. And we like left. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that was the closest thing. And it it did not feel sexy. I did. It wasn't like, oh, I definitely want to go home with that guy because he's definitely not going to murder me. 
we've yeah. ha- we've led similar lives because I feel like I've also had the yeah. the same thing. I was like twenty, I think nineteen or twenty, twenty one, maybe. Yeah, actually, I probably was twenty one because I was definitely in the bar drinking. Mm-hmm. That definitely added to some of it. <laughs> it definitely added to him. He was yeah. drunk or buzzing. I met up with someone online who. This is a similar story. I met up with someone online, and he picked me up. He picked me up in front of a house and I just used the address of the house next door. So that way he could wait. Like he, I didn't want him to pick me up at my friend's house. Right. And so he picked me up and like he immediately when I got in there, like he didn't look like his pictures mm-hmm. and he like, I was like putting a seatbelt on and he like said something. He was like, wait no it was very like i need it to be a certain way oh yeah and i was no and so i made up some story thinking on my feet i made up some story about how i would like just gotten out of a relationship and i was like back on the apps and then when it got to a point where like because we were gonna fool around in the cul-de-sac nearby when it got to a point where like it was gonna i i just didn't want to get i got out of got out get i wanted to get out of there yeah i was like i can't do this i'm still in love with him i think i like was acting that i got out of the car it was stationary got out of the car and i like ran and the way that my friend's house was is that the there was like an upper the neighborhood was like a giant was like a big suburb but the upper part of the neighborhood where the cul-de-sac was there was like a park Oh, okay. That connected, that went down to the bottom. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he didn't know that. So I basically went into the park. He and was still in the disappeared car. And disappeared him. and then went back to the house. Oh, so scary. Yeah, I've definitely felt, yeah, been in moments where it's like, ooh, yeah, did I make a mistake? <laughs> yeah, but it's it's also like listening to that yeah. feeling, right? Yeah. And that intuition. Yeah. And knowing, dear listener, if you are out there, knowing that that intuition is what is going to keep you safe, whether or not, whether or not, but you also have to be willing to not just be with the hot guy because he's hot. Yeah, because a lot of times they're the ones that are going to do terrible things to yeah. say, so gotta watch out. And that's what we have with this, this film. It's just running that. It Again, it's very meditative. It's very lots of conversation it's very it is a very french film i think in a lot of ways but there is a really nice tension that runs underneath it this is different from windows where windows who the killer is who the or who's responsible not a killer but who's responsible for the problem that's happening this it's the same pretty early in the film i think 25 again like 25 minutes in we see michelle drown the guy but this has a different kind of quality of tension because it's not about it's not that the that Frank doesn't know it, and that's what adds that layer that he does know and still goes after and the why. guy. And, and it's like the tension of are we ever going to find out why? Yeah, yeah, and no, <laughs> it just in very of, fashion also no. Yeah, because that's how it ends where he's hiding from Michelle in the woods, but then at the end, at the very end, where we think, oh, Michelle, like he's safe because Michelle's trying to find him to kill him. It seems. But then he leaves his hiding place and starts calling for him. And then that's how the film ends. And it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's we're always in that we're always in that conversation with yeah. death anxiety, existential anxiety. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. qu- quite a thinker of a film. Yeah. All right. Yay. Queer horror. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Today we got it. This was very deep, Joe. 
Yeah. A little self-disclosure on the show, but this is, people are getting, you know, they know us now after all these episodes. Yes. So now you know something else. All right. With that, dear listener, we hope that you are having good sex. That's not with a serial killer. And that, <laughs> it's not with a serial killer that you know. Well, that, that, yeah, exactly. Killer. But definitely not with somebody that you know yeah. is. That's a whole other problem. Yeah. And take the precautions. Be, be as safe as you can. Yes. Against STIs, HIV. Yes. The, where you're having a healthy sake. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the creeping ennui of your eventual passing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's enough of that. Good night, Joe. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 